0: hey good morning delighted you could be with us this morning and welcome i don't know where you may be but maybe you're home and cozy maybe you are spread across the country but we're glad you're here today and glad you could worship with us now this week and next week we will continue on with this but next week on the 3rd of october we will be opening up our church for prayer and if you would like to come and be part of that if you're local or if you can get here on October the 3rd, we will open our doors from 10 to noon in the morning on Saturday, October the 3rd. And you're certainly welcome to come and join us. We'd love to have you. We will not have our normal service, but we would enjoy having you come and be with us. So if that works out for you, well, that would be great. Come and join us. All right, today, this morning, I would like for us to look... The Lord's will be done. Now, have you ever heard that phrase before? Have you heard that type of saying before? The Lord's, if you've been in the church for a long time and things have been happening around you and sometimes things are, you might hear that or you might hear something very similar. It said, well, it's God's will. It's God's will that this happened and taking place. Or there's nothing else anyone can do. That's, it's just, that's the way it is. And it's God's will. Well, sometimes that becomes kind of a last resort comment, doesn't it? Kind of think, well, there isn't anything else we can do. And so perhaps this is God's will, what was taking place and. And we resign ourselves to that. I remember when I was in college, uh, our college president, when he gave the first address to the freshman class incoming, it was freshman orientation weekend. And I'll never forget when F.O. Rittenhouse, Dr. Rittenhouse, was making this comment. And he said to us, uh, when when you come to the end of your rope, have you heard that? When you come to the end of your rope, he said, well, just tie a knot and hang on. Well, I thought. Yeah, there were times in my college experience when, yep, I'd come to the end of my rope, and I said, all right, remember to tie a knot and hang on. Well, what is God's will, and how is that that understood? Well, today, we have been following this week, but today I'd like to pick up on Paul's journeys. Now, he actually had four missionary journeys. The last one ended up in Rome, which we will look at some very fascinating things next week, so be sure to be uh, tuned in. So, on the journeys of Paul, he made these, and these didn't take just a few days. These took years. He sometimes set at particular places for a year and a half, sharing the gospel, preparing, correcting, making a church come to be. So, I would like for you, last week we looked at chapter 19. I would like for you to just skip over chapter 20, if you would, and go to chapter 21. Can you find chapter 21 in your Bible? Take time. Go ahead and find that in your Bible. While you're looking for that, chapter 21 of the book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. You see the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles, the actions of the Apostles, we might say. I'd like you to look at chapter 21, and we're going to begin with verse 7. Now, if you notice on the screen, it has an F after the 7. That means that verse and following. That's just shorthand for us who know chapter 21. Verse 7 and following. So pick it up with me. And he said, verse 7, it says, we continued our voyage. Now stop right there. Now what were they talking about? Mostly, at this time, we find this usage of the word we. And we know that this was Luke who wrote the book of Acts. Actually, word for word, Luke wrote more of the New Testament than any other. We tend to think Paul because he wrote so many things. But Luke, word for word, Acts of the Apostles and also the book of Luke, contains most of the wordage of the New Testament. So Luke was traveling, and sometimes we find that we, he uses the expression we. So we were continuing on our voyage, verse 7, we were continuing our voyage from Tyre and had landed at Totemus, and where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. Now notice that little phrase there, stayed with them. It was the habit of early Christians to take in the travelers into their homes to stay. They would welcome them. They would feed them. They provide them a place of rest. Now, these, little, these are little homes. I've been in some of them even today. You can go to the Middle East, and you can see some of these little homes where people stayed. So they welcomed them in. Early pioneers of Adventism would do that. My My great-grandfather, he opened his home for the early Adventist pioneers. He was a... Early believer in the Adventist teaching, and he would open his home, and my grandfather, when he was 12, would tell a story of how when he was 12 years of old, how he'd take the horse and buggy and go down to the station to the train station and pick up some of the early Ellen and James White were often in their home as they were traveling. So was John Loughborough, who he loved because John Loughborough would tell him stories of the wild West. As John Loughborough was out in California. So staying in their home was a common thing, still practiced in many parts of the world today. All right, so they were staying at the people's house. They stayed overnight, leaving, they said, the next day. They reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist. Now, he was one of the seven, the seven uh, original deacons, not Philip, the one who baptized the eunuch. So here he is, and then... Verse 9 says, and he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Now, we don't have a lot to know what they prophesied about. But it seemed to be important that Luke wanted to let us all know that his daughters were prophets. Four women prophets. All of them were doing that. After they had been there a number of days, the Bible said, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Judea so here came Agabus now we know his name from Acts 11 and verse 28 mentions him before so evidently he was a prophet of well-renowned and he came to them and he sought them and coming over to us Agabus did he took Paul's belt and he tied his own hands Agabus tied his hands and feet with it and said the Holy Spirit says In this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Now, when I read that, when I saw that, that very reading, that very moment, it drew me into the story. I started to live within that story of being in that very room. Now, I would invite you when you read the Bible to do that, that you get into the story. Put yourself right in those stories. Be standing there. Share that together. So look into that story. And so when you look there, when you find, when I came to this point that he tied his hands up, I got right into that story. He said, this the Jewish leaders. The Jewish leaders were going to do that and bind up Paul. And turn him over to the Gentiles. What a stark and interesting warning that was. That was given to Paul right there. It's kind of shocking, isn't it? To have that said. So here is Paul. Listening to these words. And when they heard this. When the group that was there gathered heard this. We and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to jerusalem played with them not to go well since the death of christ things had really changed because of the spread of christianity and you should know that people understood in jerusalem who paul was there were things that were happening dynamics that were taking place the jews were very interested they pharisees and the rulers in stamping out christianity because it was spreading and they thought it was a deviation from their faith well it was actually a growth beyond because they had missed the importance of what christ had done on the cross but there also was another dynamic taking place and that was what there was doctrinal things happening within the church There were struggles where those who had grown up in Judaism were constantly saying, we need to follow the traditions we always have. Yes, we believe in Christ. Yes, we believe in salvation by faith. But we need to keep our traditions that we've had. And so they were practicing Passover. They were passing over the many things. And so that Paul wanted to get there in time. Pentecost and other things they were doing. They're a holdover. And Paul was caught in the conflict because he was teaching the Gentiles that it was not necessary for them to do those things because Christ had come. And so there was a conflict between the groups as they were butt heads back and forth. So Jerusalem right now was a very dangerous place for Paul. Not only a conflict that was taking place, but also the Jews, the Jewish rulers were looking for him because they knew he was having great success among the Jews and the Christians, uh, the Gentiles, throughout the world where he had gone on his journeys. And so they were looking for him. They wanted him. All right, back to Acts 21. Go down to verse 13. So they just have shared this with him. They've just shared this promise with him. And they've told him, they said to him that... Um, That they shouldn't go. They are urging him not to go to Jerusalem. And then Paul answered, verse 13 Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, get into that room. Be right there in that spot. And as I was thinking about that, I was saying, was that wise? Was that a wise thing to do? Wouldn't it have been wiser to listen to Agabus and to, and to the others and say, all right, that looks dangerous. I'm having success elsewhere. Let me, let me continue on where I'm ministering, and I could have... More missionary trips. Spread the gospel farther. It seemed like a great thing to do. But Paul was determined that he was going to go to Jerusalem. Knowing the danger. And believing the prophecy that had been spoken to him in that room. Now this reminds me of something else that happened. There's a spot in the book of Luke. It's found in Luke 9. And it's the 51st verse. And I just like to remind us of that. We've looked at this somewhat before, but in the 51st verse it says, "At the time approaching for him, Jesus, at that time approaching for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem." He'd been staying up in Palestine. He'd been staying up in Judea. He'd been up around Lake Galilee. But now we have a turning. This is is called the travel narrative because it starts in Luke chapter 9. And Luke lines out all the events as Jesus made his way to the cross. You see, Jesus at the time knew the time had come. The time had come. My time has come, Jesus said. He knew he was to go to the cross. He could have avoided it. He could have stayed other ways, but the traveler says he turned resolutely and he went on his way. Jesus knew where that would lead. He knew it would lead to the cross. He went and he surrendered himself as it were. Went to the very heart of it. Showed up at Passover. A lamb of God prepared for the slaughter, just like we see in Isaiah. Led to the slaughter. Back to verse 21, verse 14. And when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. There it is. The Lord's will be done be done. How about you? Knowing all that, knowing all the details, would you you say, well, the Lord's will be done. Our Christian history is full of people who followed that same example. Polycarp the modern Demo polycarp is such an example in the new testament he was the pastor of smyrna there are others who went who knew it was dangerous but they went anyway we have stories of missionaries where where the husband was murdered and yet the wife went right back continued on his ministry even though the murderers were still there what kind of people are that? What kind of giants are these? I stand in awe of them, don't you? That they would be in such a way that they could say, I will turn and go. It gives me pause. As if I, What about those men in Iran who were arrested and, and they were saying, we are Christians. And they died and had their heads cut off because they could have said, well, no, no, I give it up. I'll do it. No, they said, we are Christians. And they stood. But they didn't try to get killed. But they did not deny the Lord. We find that all over. Amazing, isn't it? So was Paul. Tertullian would say, several hundred years later, the blood of Christians is seed. Through the death of Stephen being martyred and stoned in 34 A.D., Came the conversion of Saul to Paul and became the greatest missionary that ever lived. And through his suffering, others believed. It is amazing, but it is a unique calling, isn't it? Notice this one pauses upon the phrase, For the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of how many heroic deeds. Has that been that motive? How many lives have been changed for the sake of Jesus? Is it not in our power to calculate an answer, but it is safe to say that when all the motives of human decency and goodness have been added up, none will be found to have turned more men and women from the darkness to light than in the desire to do it all for the sake of Jesus. Wow. Sacrifice their life for the sake of Jesus. I had a family, family uh, kids when I was in college and got acquainted with them, their their Parents had been missionaries way up in the, way up in the uh, Andes, way high altitude. and They are serving the Lord, sharing the great gospel of Christ with the people there. They had lost two of their children, had died in their service to the Lord. I, I admired that. At times I wonder, well, why wouldn't you come home? Because they did it for the sake of Jesus. For the sake of Jesus. That's been our Christian history. That's been the way it has been. And the call comes for all of us. Verse 15. After this, after this, we started on our way up to go to Jerusalem. See the determination on Paul? After knowing that, after knowing what had happened, and he believed what was going to take place, he knew what was happening. Next week, we'll look exactly how that rolled out. You're going to find that fascinating, how the Lord spoke to Paul and how the Lord uh, ministered to him. But they set out on their way. He felt being obedient and taking to going to Jerusalem to settle the doctrinal discussions to have with them. But also to speak boldly for Christ and he did so he was falsely accused as you will soon find out. And yet knowing that he made his way to Jerusalem. All for the sake of Jesus Christ. calls upon us to do something in our hearts doesn't it it calls upon us to have some type some type of a response you can't be indifferent or apathetic about it so many are apathetic about their religion you know it doesn't matter just kind of float along but that's not what paul was doing that's not what these others had done that's not what polycarp done that's not what john and the others did and their example for the sake of Christ. There's a hymn, an old hymn, in the hymnal that I learned to sing as a child. And I love the love the pieces. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand. Is the melody going? Some of you know this. Have the melody going in your head? Than to be the king of a vast domain, the chorus says. Or to be held in sin's dread way, sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything the world affords today. <clears throat> That whole calling, that whole appeal, in that hymn, states of a change in mind about what is of value to the person. And Jesus is the precious, precious thing, separate from everything else. Paul found his precious Lord, and as a result, he was willing to follow Jesus wherever he would lead him. How about you? It is what we praise for. It is a conviction of the heart that no matter the troubles or the things that may come our way, I'd rather have Jesus. And so Paul went to Jerusalem. Where he would be bound. And turned over to the Gentiles. What a great man of faith. How about you? Dear Lord, I thank you for Paul's example. What an amazing, amazing story. Where he, he could have made other decisions. He could have made other choices. He could have said, no, no, I'll, I'll go back. I'll go do my other. It was a rough road from being stoned several times, from being whipped, from being jailed, from being harassed. It wasn't an easy life, but to know the serious consequences if he went to Jerusalem, yet he felt you leading him and knew that he had to go. And he was ready, he said, to be bound. I'm ready to be bound. I'm ready. I'm ready to die for Jesus Christ. He was a giant. I thank you for that story made. Inspire us in our lives to go wherever you would lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll see you next week.